0: Hello, this is Tom Pasello, and welcome to the Evolvers Podcast. My guest today is Michael Satipur. He is the founder, speaker, and coach for sales training and coaching firm, EdgeThink. He is a published author, and his book, Compete, Gain the Winning Edge in Sales with the Attitude of Elite Athletes, is available on Amazon.com. And we are here today to talk about how to create a winning mindset. Welcome, Michael.
1: Pleasure to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. We are definitely in a time of change and uncertainty. I know that a lot of businesses are under pressure to reduce costs and do more with less just to make it through. Budgets are frozen at our customers. New purchases are on hold. Customers are working from home. Sellers are working from home. In-person meetings, they're a long way away. Man, as a salesperson, amidst all this change, uncertainty, and doubt, how do you keep your sanity
1: well it's uh, there's not one clean cut answer but uh, you know something that i think today given the, the the circumstances and the recent events you know one of the things i'd like to kind of dig into a little bit is just if you think about um our internal dialogue and how important our internal dialogue is and that's defined as you know the manner in which that we're digesting and perceiving events that are happening to us and what we're seeing in the different situations that are presented to us. Mm-hmm. And the reason why our internal dialogue is so important, it's because the vocabulary that we attach to those events give those events meaning. And when we give an event meaning, we focus on it. And of course it creates emotions. Yep. And So giving that, um, you know, it's really important that we focus and really start to pay attention to our inner dialogue.
0: I completely agree with that, and you could tell yourself a story about your memories in the past and the things that have happened to you, and you can also impart those stories on the future, right? And that creates anxiety and doubt that we experience, when a lot of times, if we just took a breath and just lived in the moment, live in today, in fact, I've got a bracelet on, Michael, that says 1.5 on it, and it's the number that a neuroscientist Basically attributed to our current reality. It's only one point five seconds long, and the past is a story we tell ourselves, and the future is something that hasn't happened yet and is a world of opportunity that you shouldn't be anxious about. You just need to live in the moment. So that goes a lot towards this internal dialogue that you speak
1: about. It does, and you know it's a great um, kind of uh, framework because you know if we if we dipped over to the to the the elite athletes in sports psychology Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: is what they're working on with the athletes which is focus on the task at hand Mm -hmm. and the execution of that task versus worrying about the outcomes because once you start thinking about outcomes and if i do this and this and this happens now you're starting to increase the volume of thoughts and things outside of your control which increases anxiety and for an athlete or for a salesperson Tension has never been our friend, and that's not what we want to do. We want to kind of think about and think about and focus on, okay, what, is, what, what am I trying to do, why am I trying to do it, and then how am I going to do it?
0: And Michael, also, uh, things in the past, things that have happened to us, maybe recent past or far past, also have that same um, attribution at times, right, where you can get anxious about, well, I, I dropped those last two passes. What about the one that's coming my way right now, right? And, and that can cause that anxiety and tension, not just the future, but the past as well.
1: Yes. Uh, here's another uh, kind of thing to add to this. You know, Dr. Bob Rotella, who's a leading sports psychologist at the University of Virginia, who's worked with a lot of, of the top athletes across different sports, he talks about confidence. Mm-hmm. And that not all thoughts are created equal, and so to put this in perspective, research out of Stanford, you know, the volume of thoughts that we have on a daily basis can, you know, vary from thirty thousand to sixty thousand. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, and just think about that—that that we have this wonderful machine that's pretty good at taking in the information, organizing it, digesting it, and making some pretty good decisions with it. Mm-hmm. But if we then Kind of think about when we get a little stressed, or we have those, those thoughts from the past that were negative. that funnel that's digesting all that information gets smaller, and when it gets smaller, we take these mental thinking traps, or we attach way too much meaning to a negative, which is to your point, you know missing the last two passes. So you know one of the things that we talk about, if you took it to, from that to a, a sales situation, you know the ability to have a call in the morning. That does not go as planned. Mm-hmm. Do we connect that event, a negative event, to the future event? Mm-hmm. And So the ability to compartmentalize and kind of give yourself those 90 seconds to see how it played out, what happened. But then we've got to be able to move on. And, and that's where past performance, that's, you know, you talk about uh, folks that talk about their confidence levels. They're like, I was so good for a quarter. And now I don't even know if I can sell anymore. That's because <laughs> of the recent History, right? Yep. That you're attaching to that versus your track record of maybe. Meanwhile, it's the know. same
0: person, yeah. Probably yes. with the same skills and everything else. And then meanwhile, they've lost their
1: confidence just with a bad quarter. Yeah, but human beings are messy. We're messy. <laughs> yeah. And it, and that's what we're emotional beings, and that's the power of how we perceive things and how we attach and what we put to that. And it's really a skill, you know. It, it's just like our, up, our, our upskilling as sales professionals, mm-hmm. it's the same in the mental game. You know, what are we doing to go to the mental gym to feed and strengthen our mind on a daily basis? Because our brain is malleable, just like our bodies. You know, if we eat well and exercise, good things happen. But we don't pay a lot of attention to the narrative that we have as professional salespeople. And, you know, I would argue of all the different disciplines and, you know, and I come from sales, so I'm biased. But. It's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. and You've got to be smart. You've got to be resilient. You've got to be a great learner, and you've got to be a phenomenal listener and have unbelievable empathy. Well, not a lot of that has to do with physical. It has an awful lot to do with our emotional and our cognitive skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Your emotional intelligence definitely has to be through the roof as a good seller. Now, Michael, we talked a lot about kind of the negatives of mindset where it can create this anxiety and tension concentrating too much on the past or thinking about the future uh, a little bit too much and getting anxious about the things that might go wrong but what you write about is completely different right it's how do you create a winning mindset tell us what this is all about
1: it's uh, you know the, the the framework for that if you would a you know winning mindset the one of the things to think about and just ask ourselves all of us you know, is, is your mindset working for you or against you? And how do you know? Is it an asset? And, you know, that framework, given the power of our internal dialogue is really important. And so if we understand, it doesn't have to be 100% of the time, but if it's 60, 40, 70, 30, 55, 45 to the good, then that means that we're moving forward and we have an optimistic view defined as a faith in our ability to impact outcomes. Mm-hmm. And then that comes into kind of, you know, that first gate is the attitude. And, you know, you go to any sales organization, any sales meeting and the kickoffs, you know, have a great attitude and everybody wants one. No one raises their hand and says, yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want to have one of those. But the reason why it's so important is because it's your on and off switch to learning and engagement. Mm-hmm. And given the sellers and the pace of their learning, if our engagement and learning button is not on, you're, you're, you're working against yourself. And so the idea around understanding that it's the fuel that you're putting in your tank. And that comes from understanding the language, but also kind of looking at, you know, I'm pretty good at what I do. Well, how do I know that? Well, write those things down. Like we, it's almost like you're putting deposits in the bank, mm-hmm. your psychological capital of the goodness. And because when you look at that black and white and your, your achievements or your W-2, however you measure that, that's like your, 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 your track record of when the doubt comes, it's like I'm building and tapping into positives and a positive uh, emotions that, that is propelling me to like move forward because I believe with effort, I can get better. That's the attitude gate. The second, you know, you, you think about, well, how, how hard should I work and what is it gonna to take to get better? <laughs> no one can answer that. That's up to us as an individual What is it that you're trying to get better at? And when you look at sales, and most of us are focused on the end result of that sale, the last stage, which is closing. But if we think about mid and top of the funnel, if those are really good, we usually have a much better uh, run rate and consistent output at the bottom of the funnel. And so that effort, what are those things that I need to work on that will add value to my customers and to me. And, you know, that, and that could be anything around content, the cohorts that you're, that you're calling on, but that effort piece doesn't have a timeline. It's a commitment to mastering your craft. And then the third gate is ownership. And this is, you know, I, any successful people I've been around, it's, look, it's either you're in or you're not. There's not, I'm kind of in 80, 20, you know, no way. Either you're in or you're out and only you know that. And that means taking full responsibility for the outcomes that are generated. And if something's not working, ask ourselves, why not? What can we do differently And what is working? Man, pour some gas on that and keep doing it.
0: Absolutely. So there's three components that I heard in that answer of the winning mindset. It's attitude, number one, effort, number two, and then ownership, number three. So let's explore that first element a little bit further, attitude. Talk about that a little bit more. Why is it so important and why was it number one?
1: Because the, the mind leads the body. Mm-hmm. And if the mind isn't right, then we're not, we're not getting everything we can out of it. So I'll give you an example. There's a, a young man that I'm coaching, um, 18-year-old hockey player, elite status on the national level. And I asked him, I said... And he's struggling with his mindset, not working for him. And I said, what would happen if it went the other way? He said, I'd be 125% better hockey player. And I'm thinking he's already at the national level. Can you imagine <laughs> what that would un- unleash for this young person? And that's the difference of carrying around an extra weight on your shoulders when your attitude is right. It's like, it's like you're taking the dirt road with the potholes versus, Hey, if I can get my attitude right and understand how that works. I'm going on the highway. Yeah. What a difference of progress I can make by having that attitude working for me. And so that is why it is so important to understand this inner dialogue, the things that that, that, that work for us, that the small wins, really starting to pay attention to that as a, as, a, as a professional sales person or sales leader, because if attitude is good, it's contagious. Positive people produce and negative people consume. And... If you've been on the other side of a negative attitude, we don't lean in. We, we pull away. And in today's environment, there's so much collaboration and problem solving needed to meet the customer or the prospect needs that if your attitude isn't correct, you're absolutely undermining your ability to be the best, best version of you.
0: And I think, Michael, that this is going to be the armor that protects us from all this uncertainty and doubt through the crisis and the hangover right there's so much negativity out there in press in business um, things have changed dramatically and I think with the right attitude you can certainly embrace the negative right and then everything that's negative kind of gets amplified but if you're that positive energy source I think there's a lot of people that are going to be seeking that out in these times of doubt and uncertainty
1: for sure and and, and I think that you know for us to you know, to say to folks that are listening, you know, just have a good attitude. You know, that it, it's, it, it's... Easier like said that. than done, right? When, you,
0: when you're <laughs> yeah, sitting sure. at home and struggling with a work from home environment, or, you know, the the company cut back dramatically and two of your friends might've gotten let go, or gosh, that sale that you knew was a in the bank sale. You know, you had that closed, they just needed to sign off on it, all of a sudden the budget's frozen. A little hard to break through some of those with, with just, you know, attitude and saying, "Up, oh, today's a great day.
1: Right. And so one of the techniques, you know, that, that what we just went through is an example of something uh, we would call negative stacking. Mm-hmm. And I just went through this myself and, you know, I, I do this for a living. So my <laughs> point about that we're messing, I understand intellectually, but emotionally, that's the most powerful thing that we have. We're human beings. And so, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, different events. So I came downstairs, started the day, and the Dow was down 1300 mm-hmm. Okay, that's second. We, we get the notice that uh, my son, who is a senior at college, they've extended spring break by a week. Now you've got to get them off campus. Mm-hmm. Three, I have high-risk parents for the, the COVID-19, uh, mm-hmm. you know, over 80, COPD. My wife's uh, mom lives in upstate New York by herself, and my wife's a cancer survivor. Four, my business is upside down. and five, I have colleagues and friends that are going through unbelievable challenges and changes. So it played out where when I got on the phone with my son, this was on Wednesday, to fly him home Thursday. Usually the flights from Miami to Boston, there's multiple flights. But due to the reduction, there were two, 9 a.m. or 6 p.m. I came at it from my perspective with everything else going on. I said, uh, hey, Jack, I'd like you on the nine o'clock flight. And he was Hammond and Han, and that's not like him. And my mm-hmm. wife was in the room and she said, honey, put it on mute. And I said, what's up? And she said, put yourself in his shoes. He, this, he, he's a senior. He loves where he is. These are his best friends. He has no chance for closure. Give him mm-hmm. till six o'clock. So I got back you know, off the of mute and I said, how does six work? And he jumped right on it. And I just had plowed through, right, because of these five elements that were all negative for me. All so I was stacked. Worrying yep. about. Yeah, and now I was operating and I'm making a fist for visual Tom, a tight fist where, you know, my knuckles are protruding and my hand, the blood's out of my hand. And if I said to you, Tom, open up my hand, it'd be really difficult. But if I open my hand now and you'll see the blood come back in and now I've got my fingers spread and now I tried to hold my fingers as wide apart and hold them. So then I said, Tom, take one of my fingers and bend them back. It wouldn't take much for you to do that. (laughs) And so the technique here is if I, my thumb is, the Dow is down 1300, what can I do about that? Nothing. All right, remove move it. My son's situation, there was an action I could take. What's the action? What's the plan in the action? My parents, we've already got a plan in place with my wife and with her mom. My business, I'm already doing different things around completing and creating new content. And fifth, being a really, really good friend or colleague to the people I care about. And so by breaking those down, I've intercepted, interrupted the negative stacking. So there is a technique to it, But what we want to do is understand how to stop the spiral of negativity, but also then to start building up the foundation of positivity. And that's why that example around write down the things that you've done. What do you see are good? What are the small wins? Develop a gratitude journal. I use my gratitude journal first thing in the morning because it Mm kind of gets me going. Two or three things. I journal as well. I'm really grateful for. Yeah, Yeah, because the brain. Again, we're processing, and it's malleable. It will start looking for positives if we find positives. Yep. If we find negatives and focus on them, we will find negatives.
0: So the three things that I do is, first thing, I make my bed every morning. I've I, mm-hmm. Right away, I've got a big accomplishment for me. <laughs> Second, yep. uh, journal, so that I am uh, aware of the things I'm grateful for, and also um, the um, inspiration for the day of the things that I, I that if i accomplish them that would be goodness and happiness. And then the third is i keep a quote from buddha on my desk what you think you become what you feel you attract and what you imagine you create. And that those three things are kind of the reminder to me to get everything off on a right foot, right, in the beginning and then a reminder that you know it is the the world that i create is one that it starts with my mind first. And if my mind is in the right spot then the world around maybe is a better place.
1: Amen. Absolutely. And that's, you have a structure to start and a reminder. And I think for folks, remember, we're, 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 we're not connected anymore socially. Mm-hmm. And then I was on a, a call last week with a bunch of um, doctors in different areas of expertise. And one of the things that they agreed on was this is not social distancing. This is physical distancing because mm-hmm. we're social beings. Yep. It's so important that we stay connected. And so that part of working remotely and all the different things we talked about earlier, but whatever works for you, then you can take a little bit from someone else or experiment. But the idea is how do you set yourself up to start the day? What outcomes are you trying to drive? And then also what are your reminders when that inner villain is, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is louder than your inner hero? And that's the navigation and the importance of, you know, that attitude, that's your gate, that's your lens of the, your, what you said about your mind, if it's right, you're creating. Um, your reality, a reality. And also, yeah, in a, yeah a reality that's working for you, not against mm-hmm. you. Yep,
0: so important. And then second, I think in these times as well, is effort, right? We can get very um, off track because our habits that we had worked hard to create a lot of them very positive habits aren't occurring anymore. We used to commute into the office, have a certain office environment. For me, it was going to a coffee shop every morning, doing my writing, doing my collaboration there, and then doing my con calls at home. And um, when that's disrupted, a lot of times effort can suffer, right? You're, you're not um, doing the things that you kind of need to do to ultimately be successful. So how do you keep your effort on track through this time of change?
1: Yeah, and and, you know, effort, um, defining effort, is it input or is it output? Is it uh, hours? Is it specific tasks that you're trying to accomplish or certain uh, milestones that are attached to a long-term goal? Because (laughs) effort is a mental, emotional, and physical combination. And One of the things that I I really talk through with folks that I'm coaching them, it's not linear. It's not from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. You might do it a day or two, but you can't sustain that. Mm -hmm. And so effort comes to like, what are you going to take your energy and focus? What are you going to go after that's going to have an impact of the things that you're trying to do? And so it's going to wax and wane. Again, when you're feeling down or you don't feel like you can get it done, that comes back to then recognizing that and moving on from that particular task to something else that's aligned with the things that you're trying to drive, because it's just not plug and play. I mean, that's, that's not realistic, but understanding that effort, you know, like all of us, when we have a great day, like really productive, and we're like, what does that look like? How did that feel? What were the things that happened that allowed me to do that? And then taking stock on one a day when it didn't happen. In understanding what that was, was it the start of the day? Did something happen during the day that that impacted that? Because, again, the next layer, if I might, uh, if I may, which is, I'm talking about you know our inner dialogue and the way we're uh, the way we're uh, digesting events and how we're interpreting things. Well, in 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 the research, the UPenn Dr. Martin Seligman is a leader in the world of positive psychology and optimism. And he talks about you know, our explanatory style, that's the fancy term for our inner dialogue, is so important how it relates to effort in this way. Um, most people, if you ask them what an optimist is, they'll say, oh, it's the person with the rose tinted glasses, whistling past the graveyard, blind optimism, everything's gonna work out, la-da-da-da-da-da-da. And Seligman says, no, no, no. An optimistic lens means that you see opportunity, and that when setbacks happen, now we the effort, mm-hmm. that they're temporary. And because you see it in the lens of temporary, you believe that with effort, different tactics, collaboration, that you will overcome that setback. Mm-hmm. And that's attached to your hopefulness level, which is your belief in, to impact things in the future, which is just a huge, it's a superpower. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, if you talk about pessimism, folks will say, oh, I, I'm a realist, that, that's what a pessimist is. Not so much, because Seligman talks about, and this is all researched, he talks about, look at when a setback happens with a pessimistic lens, there's three ways of construing that setback. The first is around always and never. This always happens, this is never gonna work. That's the <laughs> inner dialogue. We've heard people say that, and the reason why this is so important is it's got time. It's called permanent. It's attached to it, meaning I can't change the outcome. Mm-hmm. And if we believe that as salespeople, because of the change in the dynamics of what good looks like and trying to get um, a FaceTime or, or, or any time on the calendar with our prospects or clients, we're not going to give up on purpose. But if we don't believe we can change the outcome, we take the foot off the gas just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's the process. The effort just starts to degrade. It's the, we see this in sport a lot, Tom, when a team is Lost a bunch of games and they start losing again, or they're getting blown out in that particular game. The athletes don't come to the bench or on the sideline and say, I give up. What happens is they stop doing the little things that are the difference of winning and losing. And mm-hmm. it's this just degrading effect of effort. So that's the first. The second is universal versus specific, meaning this. We talked a little bit about it earlier, which is if an event happens early in the day, if your pessimistic lens, then you're going to connect that event with future events, which is an entire day. That for a sales professional is so much to carry. And then the third is the next level, which is personal, personalization, which something happens that's negative. Not only do you recognize it, but then you beat yourself up and you undermine your self-esteem and your confidence. You internalize it all, yep. Yeah, and it's like, I'm a lousy salesperson because you Mm -hmm. didn't get the deal. No, 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 no. Let's figure out why you didn't get the deal because if you're not making mistakes and losing deals, you're not in the game. Mm -hmm. So, right. But that's a really important part to understand around how this relates to your ability to give your best effort over time.
0: And I love the last of the three mindset, winning mindset, mantras that you have, and that's ownership, taking responsibility for yourself, your motivation, and your actions. Talk about that a little bit, why that's so important.
1: Yeah, the, the... you know, the, you know, if we, if we just talk about sales enablement, you know, what's happened in the last several years with what an important function that is in these different sales organizations, sales readiness, sales training, AI, all these different things that are happening. And <clears throat> we talked earlier about in the profession of sales, anybody from the leader right down to the individual contributors, that learning, engagement, adjusting, and moving forward is the key here. You've got to continue to evolve. And, ownership is okay. I'm going to make mistakes. That's okay as part of my process of getting better. If we don't have that mindset that mistakes are part of the process, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not worried about my image with everyone else. Then we take responsibility for the good, the average, and the things that didn't go well. And one of the things to focus on is when we talk about ownership, success leaves clues. Look at a lot of the folks that are very successful. They have complete ownership of what they're doing, why they're doing it and the results that come with it. Mm-hmm. And over time, you know, uh, <laughs> I think we're both old enough. Um, you know, I remember back when I was leading sales organizations, you know, people, I never missed my number. And I'm like, you just haven't been in sales long enough. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to happen. Yep. And if that's just part of what we do and understanding that ownership has, you know, all the colors of the spectrum, and over time, that understanding that this is my baby, right? This is my business, and if it was my dollars for me to make it or break it, um, I had Jeff Hoffman. If if you've ever heard of Jeff, wonderful sales trainer. When I was thinking about doing this on my own, he said, "I'm going to give you the visual of Castaway, the movie. When Tom Hanks spends all that time trying to get over the breakers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he keeps crashing his raft, and then he finally does, and he realizes I can't go back." That's the sense of urgency and ownership that I'm talking about with top-level performers. They own it. And <clears throat> there's no excuses. They understand there are mistakes, why they happened, and they're objective about it. They, they, they leverage other people, and they take feedback as a gift, not as judgment. That's mm-hmm. how important ownership is.
0: Yeah, and I love your talk about no going back uh, as an entrepreneur and having done this a uh, few times. Ooh. You know, you win some, you lose some, there's tough business periods and there's amazing business periods. Uh, but I think through it all, that's been, I think the biggest mantra for me is, there is no going back. This is mine, I own it, it's gotta work. Um, come heck or high water, because there there is no other um, kind of path for me to take um, it's my business I own it and, it and it has to work it has to work out for me and it has to work out for everyone around me even though sometimes you... it might not you still find a way through because there's no what... turning back to not doing that
1: and I'm sorry to interrupt but I, no. what like what you just said I hope the listeners take for ba- like right down because that is the secret sauce to a competitive advantage over your competition mm-hmm. right there is that complete ownership, good and bad, doesn't matter. I'm going to find a way to make this work. Think about of all the times we've been in sales organizations on sales floors and listen to folks, you know, go the other way and point to all the things that are wrong with the territory, the technology, the customers, the product, we keep going. And then the the select few that have what you just talked about is their approach. That's an incredible uh, superpower to have. As a professional salesperson or athlete,
0: completely agree. So, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave the Evolvers with today about the winning mindset?
1: I would say that, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you uh, what the this young person that I'm coaching said to me. Um, and I said, you know, you, it, it, he's really starting to internalize it. It's stand guard at what you let in and what comes out of your mind. And I said, asked this young person, what's the visual? He goes, I got it. It's the medieval guy, that night guy with the metal, you know, that guy, I go, yes. He said, with the big hank and sword. And he goes, nothing negative is going to come in my mind. And if it does, the I'm gatekeeper. going to turn it around. Yep. That's the gatekeeper. And, and it's, remember, the volume of thoughts, the power of recency of thoughts, and the fluidity of where we are, it's like stand guard at what comes in and what goes out. And once you start recognizing these different thinking patterns, you can add that to your portfolio as you continue to move forward. And I guarantee you there's only going to be a small percentage of folks that are going to use this time to be the best version of themselves versus the general group. And that, come out in 90 days, 100 days, whatever it is, take that, stand guard at what comes in and what goes out of your mind.
0: Absolutely powerful. Michael Satipur, how can folks reach you online?
1: i on LinkedIn and uh, just under uh, EdgeThink and my name. And also my website is whatisyouredge.com.
0: Absolutely love it. We'll include your LinkedIn address and also links to your website and book in the description. Michael Satipur, the winning mindset. I learned a lot today. I hope, Evolvers, you take this advice to heart. Have a gatekeeper, make sure you're expending the effort and the ownership you need to, and you too can win despite the crisis and hangover. Thank you, Michael.
1: Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to spend time with you, Tom. Thanks for hosting me.